0: Good morning, Cleveland. It's a victory Monday. I'm very happy. It feels very un like, and I'm here with Ian Wright, right, right, and we're not here with Jack Duffin, but Jack is in America. Ian, how are you? Paul, I am good. It was good to see the Browns buck the trend. You
1: know, going into the game, everybody was predicting doom and gloom and including many of our fellow Paul Brown podcast listeners in the fantasy football league a lot of people were saying we should just forfeit we shouldn't show up it was going to be a bloodbath
0: not so fast my friend not so fast this is a classic example why people love the NFL because anything can happen in any game
1: the jets can beat the
0: eagles the
1: browns beat the niners Guess what, Paul? There are no more undefeated teams in the NFL thanks to our Cleveland Browns. So where were you watching the game, buddy? I actually watched the game. So I am currently in the east coast of the United States. I am near Pennsylvania. So we were coming back from a wedding in Maryland. And so I watched the first quarter and a half via my cellular telephone driving through the mountains of PA and then I watched the second half with my brother-in-law and my wife in Pennsylvania. So as you know, the Steelers were on bye week. So I had full access to the television. I watched the Moody kick sale wide and celebrated in the wonderful city of Johnstown, Pennsylvania. I'm going to
0: be totally honest and tell you what happened to me when I watched a kick. I was more concerned about knowing how many seconds we would have when the ball came back to see if we could do a Hail Mary and I was looking at my phone I didn't even look at the kick and that is the truth oh well there's been a lot of them out there about
1: the wind and stuff I'll tell you from people that I talked to that were in the stadium the wind was not that bad and if you look when he kicked the ball the the flags on the goalpost weren't moving so it was one of those ones where people said oh that's Cleveland blah, blah, blah." Paul, he just missed the kick it's a rookie kicker they're going through what we went through with Cade York, Jake Moody as a rookie, out of Michigan, very highly touted kicker. He just – it just came off his foot. He cut it. It sliced. That's what happens. I was at a Browns game years ago. John Casey was the kicker for the Panthers, and it was a very similar situation where they would driven the team all the way down. The Browns weren't expected to win the game, and the kick from Casey, I believe it was on that same side of the field too because the wind over theirs can be a little tricky. He just pushed it and it went to the, you know, it went wide. So Cleveland's not an easy place to kick Browns fans. From what I understand, were pretty loud yesterday. So it was good. You know, overall, I think the team needed a little bit of a morale boost. You know, there's been a lot of kind of a shit storm of stuff swirling around the team lately. And I think it was good to just get a win. Now we go into a three game series with the Colts, the Seahawks and the Cardinals. So listen, the Browns need to get back to full strength, get the health back, Start establishing the run game, which we'll talk about here in the offense, and uh, get back to winning. Right
0: before we go into our classic podcast review show, I've got a question. Let's be let's be negative. Very unlike me. Okay. Okay. If the Browns have lost that game, where would the fingers be pointing?
1: I think on the offense. Because ultimately, the defense held the 49ers to under 30 points. So just, let's just hypothetically say the kick goes through, right? So the Browns lose, and the 49ers are held to... Yeah, and if that um, kick went through, would we have had two seconds, three seconds? When the game's over. It would, I think maybe one, two, maybe not. It didn't matter, because the 49ers would have won 20 to 19. And everybody would have said the Browns held the Niners to under 30 points for that. I think their first time in 10 games, they had Brock Purdy, who is 10 and 10-0 as a starter, now 10-1. and 1. They had him on the ropes. The defense did their job. The offense couldn't. Ultimately, P.J. Walker, I mean, the Browns were a nine-and-a-half-point underdog in this game, so it's it was one of those ones where I don't know if they would have necessarily done the blame game, but I think people looked back on offense and nitpicked all the missed opportunities, you know, the stupid interception that P.J. Walker threw um, the stupid one he threw in the first half as well. It's just the Browns were doing a great job in the first half with all the penalties and the interceptions and stuff to beat themselves. And I think that's what everybody would have hung their hat on.
0: Do you think Savansky's clock management was poor in the last five minutes of the game? Well, hindsight's 20-20 because
1: running the play live, the one that PJ Walker threw that ball and I went, what in the heck? Sam, how is he doing? Stefanski today came out and said, P.J. knows he's not supposed to throw that ball. Stefanski did not call a run play or did not call a pass play. P.J. Walker should never have thrown the ball, which he did. So I actually really like Stefanski's game plan. I thought it was very simple. The one thing about Stefanski is a lot of times people don't give him credit because he's not flashy, right? Andy Reid can run a play where – a backup tight end is handing off to a third string running back who's running a lateral to somebody, and everybody it works, and everybody goes, Oh my god, that guy's a genius. There was a couple of plays from Thursday night. I was kind of jokingly saying if Stefanski ran this play, people would have his head on a stake. I think both Kyle Shanahan, who's considered one of the best offensive coaches in the league, and Stefanski knew this was going to be a you know a knock him out, drag him through the mud, style of game. They kept the offensive game plans very conservative. So ultimately, I think Stefanski rose to the moment in this game and came up with a game plan that did put the Browns in the best position to win with their third string running back without their all pro guard, without their all pro running back. You know, the Browns went into this game beaten, badgered and you know bruised and still came out with the win in a game that no one thought they were going to win. You have to give the credit to the coaching
0: staff as well as the players. Yeah, fair play. Next man up. That's why I love the feel. That's why I love the depth of a roster and going into that detail because it really does matter. You know, like me asking the question, bringing PJ Walker in versus Mund, you know, it does matter because in this game, we could be bringing Mund in. and Or even DTR, who we saw was not ready. Hmm. All right. Thanks for answering that question. Let's go back to the normal uh, thing. Offense, out of 10, we're giving them a score out of. Listen, it wasn't pretty. There was a lot of penalties. There was a lot of stupid mistakes.
1: Um, Ultimately, I think it was one of those games where, like you said, it was going to be an ugly display of doing the best they can. But, Paul, they won the game, right? And they won the game with 19 points. Um, Amari Cooper had a beautiful play on the sidelines where he put a defender on the ground. And then he had a brilliant catch along the sidelines, which I saw something today, which, you know, these Duffin stats where they just kind of make this shit up. It had like a 9% probability of being caught and he caught it. So I don't think it was a game that I would be putting the offensive highlight tape in Canton, but I thought it was a very good game for certain players. I would say overall, I'm going to give it a six. I don't think it's, I don't think it's an eight or a nine. We don't do seven, so I'm going to go with a six. Just overall, I thought getting the win, given this you know, how the chips stacked up, starting Michael Dunn there at left guard, it was just one of those ones where I'm okay with saying, you know what? That was an above average performance against a really good 49ers defense. I'm going with a six.
0: yeah, I think I think a six is a fair number. I thought at times our wide receivers were great. David Bell turned up for that great catch. But hey, that's that's what he's there for, right? Big moment, big moment. And uh, yeah, Cooper, great catch. That was Cooper, wasn't it? The one on sidelines, yeah. Yes, yeah. it was. And,
1: Still the guy, you know, offensively, we're going to look big pressure. Still the guy I want to see more out of. I want to see more out of Elijah Moore. I just do. I just think right now he's such a gimmick wide receiver. I'd like to see him kind of fall into a traditional wide receiver role. Because games like that, we see what Debo Samuel, before he got hurt, could do. We see what McCaffrey can do in kind of that flex role that he plays. I'd really love to see Elijah Moore get more into that. You know, having four catches for 19 yards is just it's
0: just not great. Why do you think he is – not getting so many uh, reps.
1: Well, I think the inconsistency of quarterback play is is hurting him a lot. You know, we've we've talked a little bit in the earlier podcast about how his targets are not very far down the field, right? They're they're more behind the line of scrimmage. They're to the outside. They're short underneath routes, option routes, digs. So, I think he needs to get on a better flow with Deshaun Watson once Watson gets back, so we can start seeing somebody. Stretch the defense, maybe even into the intermediate route tree. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be Marquise Goodwin pulling the top off the defense, but I really like to see Elijah Moore get involved, not only in the short passing game, but in the intermediate passing game as well. Because once I think he gets in space, Paul, he's going to make guys miss, which at this point is what we haven't seen. Defense, what are you going to go with? Oh, defensively, listen, I mean, Paul. It, it, it's hard when you go back when you we just talked about it right Brock Purdy has never lost as a starter Brock the 49ers have not lost a regular season game Paul and like it's, I think they're 13 or since like December of 2021 or something it's crazy like it just the the night I should say under Brock Purdy. I think 10 11 games whatever it is. The defense, I thought, stepped up to the moment. You knew they were going to go out. Uh, The 49ers, I think, have scored on their opening drive in consecutive games. I think that's seven or eight in a row. They come out, they put seven on the board. The Browns defense then bucks after the P.J. Walker interception, holds them to 10 points. I thought Dalvin Tomlinson really had probably his best game as a Brown so far. He was just absolutely having his way with the interior offensive line. Um, I thought that Alex Wright, even in 15 snaps, was able to you know do what he was supposed to do. Um, Jok, I think if I'm not mistaken, I saw he was the highest graded defender on the Browns' defense. He was all over the field, which we kind of knew he was going to have to be with Christian McCaffrey and those guys. Um, and then the you know the OGs, you know Miles Garrett, just doing what Miles Garrett does. Um, the secondary held up against a pretty good uh, wide receivers core from the Niners, so. I would say defense. I got to give them an eight. I really do. It's it's a it's a passing grade for me. I thought they played well, holding the Niners to seventeen points. You know, possibly twenty. Obviously, is on the specials, but regardless, I think that was an above average performance by the defense. The guys who needed to play played uh, in terms of stepping up, and I would say an eight. There was a lot of penalties given away, though. Listen, in a game like that, it's wet. It's windy. There's stuff going on. You know, it's just. It's one of those games where when you go up against a physical team, you know, you may remember years ago, we'd watch like those Ravens Steelers games or Bengals Steelers, Ravens Bengals, you know, they're physical games. Paul, you'd have six, seven, eight penalties and a half. It happens when you get physical. I mean, Miles Garrett, you know, shoving Trent Williams out of the way on his pass rush. We had a fight pregame, which we haven't even talked about yet. Like, it's just one of those things where as long as one team doesn't have 10 penalties and the other team has two, it's one of those ones where you just say, Hey, you know what? They're going to give you some, we're going to give them some, and you go about your day. I'm looking here, the finished Browns, 13 penalties, 119 yards, San Francisco, 12 penalties, 105 yards. So net, net one penalty for 14 yards was the difference.
0: All right. Okay, cool. Um, okay like I don't see them
1: having that many penalties against the Colts, against the Colts if I'm being honest
0: okay I, it said uh special teams
1: I just want to shout out for the kicker 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 kingdom, right Paul, did you see that absolute piss missile that came off the foot of Corey Borquez? yes did you I mean when the going gets tough, the tough gets going, and the big man boots 69. The Rob Gronkowski of punts, let me rephrase that, 69 yards to drive the 49ers from back in our field position. Where he flipped the field with his left foot masterfully. He hit a low. So, Paul, as a punter sometimes, and I watched the hammer last night, we could talk a little bit about how he had a pretty great game. He hits a low just – Good missile, right off the foot. Beautiful spiral. The returner couldn't do anything about it. The ball got over his head, turned over the nose beautifully. Corey Borquez, shout out to you with that 69-yard banger. So three of them were downed inside of the 20, only one touchback. Dustin Hopkins missed one field goal but made four other ones and made his extra point. Um, I'm sure Jack will bitch about Jalen Darden's returning game. He did return the ball twice for 42 yards, but at the end of the day, we averaged over five yards on our punt returns. Paul, that was a very good special teams game. I'm willing to say that's an eight as well, that there's definitely an eight. They didn't have any game changing plays, touchdowns, blocks, anything like that. But overall, I thought in terms of the specialists, Hopkins missed his Moody missed his two Browns won the special teams battle. Browns won the game. I'm going with an eight on the specials.
0: Yeah, six for offense, defense, eight uh, special teams, eight. Here's a question to you: Who you giving the offense? Oh, Ian, you have a glass of champagne there.
1: It's a sparkling wine, Paul. It is my celebration toast to beating what one say is the best team in the NFL. Do you call it to be the best? You gotta beat the best, Paul, and to beat the best, you gotta beat the Cleveland Browns. You call it prosecco. Uh, No, it's not a Prosecco. I just believe it is some sparkling French wine. So I wouldn't say it's necessarily a Champagne, but it's something along that lines. Paul has left. He is going to get something where he is going to show me how it is done in the UK. Ooh, crown apple. Oh God. You know, Paul's coming to the U S when he's drinking crown apple, everyone. Well, he's taking a swig. It's going right to the soul.
0: Uh, I need a tooth out. I wonder if it helps or not alcohol with, with toothache.
1: Yes, it will help. It will help. Whenever I uh, babies in Ireland and Scotland have sore teeth, they
0: rub whiskey on it. So, it'll help for sure. Um, who, are you gonna give, who are you giving the game ball to? Offense. You know, here's the
1: thing. I don't think he was great in terms of how he played. But at the end of the day, TJ Walker got the win. He went out there and, I mean... He battled. He threw two stupid interceptions. I get it. You know, I thought David Njoku played really well. Um, he had that touchdown back, which was unfortunate. <sighs> Listen, it's very unconventional, but I got to give it to PJ Walker. Only in the sense that he willed that team to the victory they need. He got all the balls to bounce in the right way. It's very unconventional. I'm sure I'll get a lot of hate regarding it. But ultimately, I would say P.J. Walker, and then my second – I'll give like a 1A, P.J. Walker, but my 1B, DeJuan Jones. And the reason is is because he had Nick Bosa, his fellow Buckeye, across the line of scrimmage from him, and I thought it could have been a lot worse. It wasn't a flawless performance. I think he was our second or third highest graded passer – our blocker in terms of the offensive line – um I thought Dewan Jones played really well. In terms of who he was going up against, one sack, one pressure. Nice job, Dewan Jones. So he, my one A goes to PJ Walker for getting the W. My one B goes to Dewan Jones for keeping Nick Bus in check.
0: Um I thought Cooper had a great game.
1: He did. He did really did.
0: Um I thought NJUKU had a good game. He very he did as well everyone said Dunn had a good game i wasn't really watching him with detail he's a left guard he'll be all right i thought the running backs had a good game hey 84 yards maybe. um i'm giving the game ball to the catch which i thought we needed the most david bell that's very controversial i know but it was a massive hey. catch. it was a massive catch. down catch that's a big play um uh Cooper separation and that catch. I want to give it to Cooper, seriously. All right. There you go.
1: So I've seen Dewan Jones, PJ Walker. You're going with Amari Cooper. Paul on the defensive side of the ball. Who gets the, the vaunted uh, Paul Brown game ball?
0: It's simple. Miles Garrett. Sorry for being boring. I'm going to go Dalvin Tomlinson.
1: I thought the pressure he created from the inside. Really affected Brock Purdy on the interception he threw to uh, Emerson. Um, I probably should – there was pressure on the inside on Purdy. I should probably go back and double-check to make sure it was Tomlinson. I'm pretty sure it was him. But if not, then shout-out to whoever that other D-tackle was. But really, Jack Duffin has complained about the signing of Dalvin Tomlinson for far too long, and it was good to see when the going got tough, the tough got going, and Dalvin Tomlinson got going. He was – like I said, he was – I think on one series, I think he had like three straight pressures where he was in the backfield. Greg Olson noticed it. I noticed it. Um, Jeremiah Wusu koromoa obviously would be my 1B. He played really well. Highest Browns graded defender per PFF in terms of – he was all over the field, Paul. He really was. He was in coverage. He was in run support. He was sideline to sideline. Overall, I'm going to say Dalvin Tomlinson and with a sidecar to the JOK. Special teams. I got to give it to Bojo. With that Bojo bomb, that right there, that was it. You won me over, Corey. Not that I already didn't love him. Yeah, give it to Bojo. I was very impressed with his punts all day, to be honest. I mean, listen, punting in that, in that condition, so to say, is just not great, right? And it was one of those things where you just had to do what you were going to do. And for him to just put – I think his first punt of the fourth quarter, I got it at 57 yards – Let's see what else we got. We had all this stuff going on. It was just it was mayhem and craziness, right? Yes, it was.
0: But nope, good stuff. Bojo, you're my guy. All right, let's talk about Jack Duffin. He is in America, but he is somewhere in Disneyland. Is that correct? You know, Jack let us know that he was coming here.
1: Once I found out that he was going to be, like, literally on the other side of the country, I just said, you have fun, stay safe. He was in San Francisco. Then I think he did Disney. Um, He had sent us a message. Because, to be fair, Paul, we were trying to set up a podcast before game. You were covering the pro-Palestine rally in London. I was traveling. It was just – it was very difficult to get all of us on a schedule, right? And Jack has said he is about to leave for Universal, then he's going to spend four days at Disney. So <laughs> shout out to Jack. No kids, full four full days at Disney. <laughs> Have fun, buddy. But that's oh, where he's
0: at. Um, I'm looking forward to doing a pre-show before I come out to the Colts. So that's going to be good.
1: Yeah, you're so you're flying in Friday... Our schedules don't match completely as I'm coming back to Chicago on Saturday. So right now, your plan is to take the 6 a.m. bus out of Chicago to Indy? Yep, correct. Gotcha. Um, so. What are you doing Thursday? Are you free for a podcast or not? I'm sure I could. For you, Paul, I'll find time for anything. Excellent. You know, there's no more uh, protests or 50,000 people taken to the streets of London, is there? Nope, nothing at all at the moment, so very quiet. Yeah, yeah, when I saw that you first of all your poo cam on the cow was very fascinating, and then also the uh, the kicking off factor of that that sorry. protest was pretty low. So sorry, I I know Paul Paul always
0: looks forward to the kicking off factor being high. I do, I do, I do, and it wasn't that high. But all right, Ian, thank you very much for the time. You carry on drinking. I'll carry on drinking. It's a victory Monday, three and two. The Cleveland Browns. Yeah. So 6 and 2 in the next three games. If we win them all, yeah, we got to start off by beating the
1: Colts. Obviously the Colts were dealt a blow when their rookie quarterback Anthony Richardson was uh, went down with a shoulder injury. So I believe you're going to the game on Sunday, right Paul?
0: Game on Sunday. I haven't got a ticket yet. Okay. So if anyone's got a spare ticket, please do let us know. And then I travel 2200 miles to Seattle.
1: That's that is wild, crazy, uh, Paul. Right now, what is your plan for all the people trying to meet up with you in Indy on Saturday and Sunday?
0: All I know is I'm going to be around about six o'clock to have a few drinks with Browns fans traveling in uh, wherever the tailgate is that night. I'll be there, and I want to go to that really expensive steakhouse that you keep telling me not to go to for a co- uh, for a cocktail. Saint Elmo's, yeah. I just warm Wrong cocktail week. I just warn him sometimes
1: because obviously uh, Paul is a man who travels a lot on a budget and I don't want him walking into St. Elmo's to $100 a head, uh, you know, type of issues. So that's all, Paul. I'm just
0: looking out for you. Thanks a lot, Ian. All right. I want to finish up by saying, come on the Browns, three and two. This season is on. Playoffs, here we come. Go Browns. Go Browns.